It's that time, the Betting Predators Podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by NBA betting expert, got Jay Smooth in the house. You guys can find him on Twitter as well at Smooth underscore 702. You guys could always get us at thebettingpredators.com and on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, guys, here we go. Uh, Smooth and I are going to talk a little NBA Friday. We're going to go ahead. We're going to cover four games for you guys today. And we'll also go ahead. We'll touch on some hot topics. Smooth NBA rocking and rolling right now. We got the bowl games kicked off. We got the NFL playoffs getting ready to start getting underway here shortly. College basketball, NHL, everything's going on. I do have to ask you, how you handling everything? Are you getting ready? Uh, are you getting ready for this NBA stretch run here in a, in another couple weeks? Uh, yeah, it's um you know real exciting time for for ourselves as being being betters in in, in this industry because you know all the sports are pretty much kicking up in the high gear. You know, NFL playoffs around the corner and the bowl games. Um, you know, uh, kicking in the high gear, especially going into this New Year's uh, weekend, you know, with uh, the playoff games, you know, deciding the championship there. And, you know, you mentioned an NBA, you know, um, I've been focusing a little bit more on NBA, uh, some NFL, but, you know, it's a gift and a curse because we have, you know, you know, all the major sports, you know, except for baseball, you know, really rocking and rolling all at the same time. But, and then you also have to, uh, you know, you know, use your time, you know, wisely, you know, especially like, you know, guys like us, you know, we're, uh, you know, across the board in, in all sports. Um, we focus on a little bit more in some others, but yeah, with them all going, you know, uh, at a real good time this time of year, uh, you know, where I like myself, I know, you know, you're buckled down and, you know, locked in, uh, you know, on the board and, uh, you know, looking to make some money. So, yeah, it's an exciting time right now. Yeah, you do get stretched in, though, as you had said. It, it's it's one of those times where you can make a lot of money or, you know, if you're not buckled down or really focused in on, on a few things, you know, you could end up hurting yourself because you're just not putting in the proper amount of work. The NBA, for me, has been a little bit of a struggle. Um, I haven't put out a lot of plays, believe it or not, and a lot of it's just due to, you know, the daily with the NBA. It, it's tough to go in and get a grip on some of these teams when, you know, you have players just sitting out. You have a ton of guys right now. They're dealing with sicknesses, a lot of illnesses. So it, it's like you need to be locked in. Like you can't be concentrating on football, uh, college basketball, NHL, NFL. Like if you really want to go ahead and be a successful NBA better um, at this time of the year. And I remember this from last year because um, I, I kind of put football and everything on the back burner. I was just all in on NBA. And I had a really successful time, but right now it's kind of like I'm just trying to get my footing. So I am taking it safe, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. So I'm not hurting myself, which, you know, is, is a good thing. And I've learned, you know, plenty of lessons. But right now, I think it's time that we start going ahead and making our shift because, uh, as I had said, you know, bowl games are going to be wrapping up. Playoffs are going to be here. NFL is going to be a little bit limited. So uh, with all that stuff said there, let's go ahead. Let's get into some of these games there tonight. They're smooth. First game we'll talk about, we have the Lakers. They'll be on the road here at the Atlanta Hawks. Atlanta right now minus 7.5. And, and we have a total of 241.5. Boy, that seems rather high. Lakers right now in the midst of a five-game road trip. And right now they've lost two out of their first three road games on this trip. And now they're going to go ahead and take on the Hawks. LeBron questionable tonight with an ankle issue. However, he's played through the injury probably what in like the last five games now so 
I do think he'll go Atlanta. I guess you could say somewhat healthy right now. They could be without DeAndre Hunter tonight. He's listed as questionable. I think he'll probably play. But overall right now, both of these teams pretty much uh, projected to be down one key starter, Lakers without AD, and the Hawks will probably be without Capella once again. So with all that said, they're smooth. We're, you know, 35 games right now into the regular season. And the Lakers, they sit three and a half games back from the playing spot, you know, being a 10 seed. AD looks like he'll probably be reevaluated here in another week, you know, dealing with that stress fracture in his foot. But realistically speaking here, they're smooth. You know, is the Lakers' goal right now just to get into the play-in game, maybe at best the seven seed? Like, is that, like, the best that they can hope for right now? Um, yeah, I think that's a, a really realistic goal for them. But, you know, with this Lakers team, you know, coming into the uh, coming into the season, I think the – well, I know the expectation was a lot higher just to make, you know, uh, the play-in. Going back two years, they were in the play-in to get to the playoffs when they, you know, lost in the first round to the Suns. Um, but, you know, just looking at their standards right now, currently 14 and 21, um, about five to six games out of that six spot to try to avoid the play-in. So I, I, I do think that is still a realistic goal, you know, mathematically. Um, you know, you mentioned AD being reevaluated here in a couple weeks, you know, coming back. Um and they're, you know, pretty optimistic that he can get back on the court, you know, after he's reevaluated. But, um, you know, just given the type of season that LeBron has had and, you know, the comments that he made uh, coming off against – coming off a loss against the Heat in their last game, um, I think he's sending a, a passive, indirect message to the front office that they need to hurry up and, uh, you know, make a – some type of trade here soon. You know, I think their biggest need is uh, some some wing players that can shoot. Uh, I think they have a little bit too many point guards um, that they play in the lineup in the rotation. And, you know, given the impact and the improved play, you know, with Russ coming off the bench, you know, I wouldn't – I would think that they don't want to include him in the trade, but if they have to to get back what they need, you know, so be it, you know, for the – sake of you know trying to save the season but you know this matchup tonight against the Hawks um kind of leaning towards the Lakers um especially if LeBron plays you mentioned that he's played through the ankle uh soreness the last five games and it hasn't affected his play um for me it's more so a, a play against the Hawks you know um this you know number being as high as it is at seven and a half is a little confusing to me because the Hawks have not played you know well enough to be that big of a favorite even though, you know, uh, home court has been, a, you know, a big, you know, advantage this year. Um, but, you know, LeBron plays, um, you know, I, I like the Lakers right now. It's a lean just because of the questionable status. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't think the Hawks should be laying this many points, especially when, you know, LeBron steps on the court. He's going to be the best player. Um, you know, and the Hawks, you know, are, are, are down some players too, already missing – Clint Capella and likely will be without DeAndre Hunter as well. So, you know, I, I lean with L.A. On, on this one. Yeah, I would certainly go ahead and lean with you with with the Lakers tonight. Seven and a half points, just, it's just too many there. You know, the Hawks are in a little bit better of a situation. They're currently in the ninth seed in the East, but, you know, they've lost three of their last four games. Trey Young, he did sit out the last game, so they're going to get him back tonight. But 
the Hawks, they're going to end up packing up for that West Coast Cali swing where they have to play the Kings, Clippers, Lakers, Warriors uh, for the first week of January. I don't like that. The fact that, you know, that, that they have to go ahead and pack up and get ready to go all the way to the West Coast. Now, both the Lakers and the Hawks, they actually have something in common that these teams are really just getting wins against bad teams or teams that just aren't really put all together that well, that are most likely, you know, a little bit shorthanded now. Neither team to me right now looks like they're really a competitor at this point, but seven and a half just seems like it's just too high here to lay with Atlanta. So I would go ahead. I would play the Lakers, uh, take the points there. And I think one of the key reasons is that, you know, if you give LeBron enough time with this specific group, I think he can eventually figure things out. And I, I think he could figure those things out against an average team. And I don't even know if the Hawks are average right now. So, you know, seven and a half, that's a number that the pros like to go ahead and grab. So that's really the only way that I would look here is to go ahead and back the Lakers tonight, plus the seven and a half points. Let's jump over to our next game here. We got the 76ers. They'll be on the road here in New Orleans. Uh, total in this game right now, smooth 228 and a half. And it looks like Tyrese Maxey might make his way back on the court tonight for Philadelphia. So certainly that's going to be a welcoming sight here for the 76ers. Maxey. You know, he's been out since November, but you know, Philadelphia has managed to go ahead and keep things together nicely without him. Harden and Bede playing rather well over the last few games. Philly, they've been hot. I mean, that team's won eight straight games prior to the last, you know, where they ended up getting beat by the Wizards. But still, Philly looking really good right now. Pelicans actually look half decent, too. I mean, they won four in a row. Uh, Zion coming off of his career best game. You now, much of the Pelicans' success has actually come through Zion. But Embiid's a totally different animal here, and I think you would agree with me there, Smooth, that you know, Zion could push a lot of these guys around, especially some of these bigger guys, but nobody's pushing Embiid around. I mean, that's just not going to happen. I think this is going to be a tough matchup here for the Pelicans tonight. Uh, Embiid's going to get, cause a lot of issues. I think like you need to be really strong with your guard play, and I don't have any problem with McCollum. I think he's good, but I just feel like if, if Embiid can neutralize what Zion can do, then this really comes down to C.J. McCollum against everybody else. And then and then you're really hoping the Pelicans end up with, you know, just a real good defensive game. Valanciunas can end up, uh, you know, getting a, grabbing a bunch of rebounds or something like that. It just seems like a tall task because, you know, Melton's been in, in the mix for a while now. He's doing his thing. Harden's playing really good. Tobias Harris is back. Now you're going to get another shot in the arm from, from Maxi tonight. I actually think Philadelphia minus one is a little cheap here. The only way I would not bet Philly tonight is if they were laying like three and a half or four points. So I like Philly laying the point tonight. I think Zion will have a little bit of trouble. He's not going to have some career high game. If he does, well, then it's probably going to be an eye opener for us. But MB's just playing too well right now. And I'll take the 76ers minus the one. I actually like them quite a bit tonight. Probably one of my stronger plays on the board. What do you think? Yeah, I'm not going to uh, disagree with that pick. I uh, think this would be you know, the game of the night as far as the matchups and over the last, you know, month or so, 14 games, you know, both teams are 10 and four. Um, But I'm going to take a look at the total here currently at 229. Um, My numbers had this total set at 224. So I'm going to look to play the under, Um, you know, you mentioned Tyrese Maxey coming back, but you know, he's, you know, missed quite a bit of time. So he might be a little rusty or maybe on a little bit of a minute restriction. Um, so it could throw off the rhythm that, you know, this team has developed offensively while he was out. And you know, over the last, you know, month or so, you know, both defenses 
uh, their defensive rating ranks, you know, uh, top seven or better in the league. Um, you mentioned, you know, uh, Joel Embiid in the paint. Um, and, you know, as good as he's been offensively, I think his defense is, is, uh, is a little bit underrated when it comes to protecting the paint. So I think it'll be a little bit tougher for Zion to come in there and, you know, just demolish guys uh, like he did, uh, you know, Rudy Gobert in one of their most recent games. We just drove down the lane and, and dunked on him with his right hand. I think that would be a little bit tougher to do, you know, against Embiid, you know, for Zion or anybody else trying to challenge him in the paint. So um, with both teams, you know, playing as well as they've been playing, you know, the last, you know, month of the season, and especially on the defensive end, you know, I think this uh, – this total is a little bit inflated, you know, currently right now, the market's all over the total, uh, um, going over. So, you know, I'm gonna look to play the contrarian spot and, uh, get in on the under as I think it's a little bit too high. So I'm gonna play that under, uh, 229. Yeah. I looked at that too. That was probably the second best pick for me. It was probably the under. I do want to ask you about Embiid though, because oftentimes, you know, we, we hear about, you know, best players in the league, this, that, and the other, and I think you'd agree Embiid's probably not going to go down as a top 10 all-time NBA player. Uh, a lot of that due to just the fact that he's probably just not going to have enough championships. But, you know, when you look at, like, the history of the big man in the NBA, I mean, is it hard for, is it hard for you to maybe keep Embiid out, outside of your top 10 when all is said and done? Because, I mean, this dude's just elite. I really can't, you know, I mean, I could probably think of a handful of guys, but there's really just not that many big men, like, that are as elite as Embiid is, you know, throughout the history of time. So I'm just curious where, like where you have him right now, where you think he can end up. But me, me personally, I think he's one of the best big men that we've ever seen. Um, yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. Um, definitely. I think, you know, when it's all said and done and, you know, by the time he hangs it up and retires, his numbers will definitely be up there with, you know, any big man, especially um, guys like, you know, uh, Shaq, and um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar um, and uh, uh, Akeem Olajuwon. He he reminds me a lot of Akeem Olajuwon, um, just with his uh, his skill set and his footwork, but maybe a little bit more dominant when it comes to to scoring and uh, more a little bit more skillful with his ability to handle the ball on the perimeter and play a little bit more away from the basket. And, you know, he's come, he has came into the game at, at a different time, you know, to where, you know, big men are more guard-oriented than, you know, big men of, you know, that we just, you know, that we mentioned or the class that he's going to be in. Um, so for me, you know, being, you know, you know, 35, you know, I didn't, you know, see guys like, you know, Will and, and, and Russell and, and Kareem, you know, when they were doing their thing in their prime. So the best big man to me, you know, it was Shaq. You know, I got to see his run pretty much from start to finish. Um, so guys like Shaq, you know, Akeem, um, Tim Duncan, you know, I, I think he'll have the numbers to be in, in that type of class. But, uh, you know, the thing that separates him from, you know, legitimately, you know, being in that class and and uh, comfortable at that table, you, you mentioned is winning the rings. You know, all those guys have, you know, multiple rings. Uh, multiple uh, MVPs, final MVPs. So I think, um, you know, if he could, you know, start winning some championships here soon um, on, and play on the biggest stage, you know, on a consistent basis, uh, he'll be in that class, you know, comfortably without a doubt. 
because his numbers are already going to be there, uh, no question. Yeah, his numbers are going to blow some of those top guys away for sure. I think that the one thing that that those old school guys had in common is they all had a very similar type of game. That there's not that many guys, you know, that that play that position as, as Embiid did. Like you know, Hakeem is probably really the only guy, you know, maybe a Duncan or something like that. But we'll see. I think if he can go ahead and notch a couple couple titles under his belt before he ends up, you know, calling it a career, that there's no way that he doesn't end up in the top ten at centers all time. So. Just curious how you felt about Embiid. Um, you know, it was a struggle early on in his career, but, you know, it seems like he's really coming into his own and, and clearly, you know, hitting his prime right now. Uh, let's jump into our next game there, Smooth. We got the Heat. We got the Nuggets. Nuggets going to be minus four tonight. And we have a total of 224. Now, both of these teams right now are cruising along. Uh, Denver, they've won eight out of the last ten. Miami, six out of the last eight. Um I can't really think of a team more than, than Miami who's dealt with more injury crap and COVID issues than, than I mean, this this Heat team just, they were decimated for, for how long? I mean, you looked at their injury report daily, and it was just a, a list of guys. I mean, they were down the G League guys at one point, but, you know, that team's actually held it together. Now, you know, they're healthy, and I think this Heat team actually looks rather good right now. Plus, the Heat probably realize that they have to go ahead and, you know, they got to keep their foot on the gas pedal right now. They're sitting in the seventh seed. And that has to give them motivation to go ahead and kind of get out of that danger zone. And they, they certainly have, you know, the squad to go ahead and do that. Denver, they could be without Aaron Gordon tonight. They could be without Jamal Murray tonight. And they also could have those two on the court. So um, I'm kind of leaning towards Miami here a little bit. Sometimes I think that these top teams that um, they look at, at certain games with far less focus than a team like Miami would who – Right now, let's just say Miami doesn't have a ton of cushion, but but Denver certainly does. Denver's fine right now. I mean, they're they're going to go out there and compete nightly no matter what because they have Jokic on the court. But I just feel like Miami could be a little bit more motivated here, maybe a little bit more healthy. And the Heat, they, in their last road trip, they just swept like through four games. So that has to give them motivation coming into a tough place to play like Denver. I feel like the line is close, but four points just feels like it, maybe it's just a little bit too much. I think this game is probably going to be razor close tonight. Uh, maybe Miami could squeak out a win. Maybe Denver can squeak out a win. So the four points just seems like it's a little bit too much for me right now to take a motivated Heat team uh, that played well on the road last time. And they're probably going to be the, the much healthier team tonight. And if Gordon and Murray don't play, uh, I don't know how this line doesn't get closer to probably like Nuggets minus two. So um, the only way I would look in this one is Miami. That's where I'm at tonight with that game there. So what do you got? Yeah, I'm uh... – in agreement with you here, you know, leaning towards Miami. Um, it's also a, a play against the market, you know, with more than 70% of the tickets currently coming in on Denver, but the line moving towards Miami. And I think the line moving towards Miami also has to do with you mentioning that, you know, Murray and Gordon could possibly miss this game. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if they if they held out Jamal Murray, seeing that he's working his way back you know, from uh, missing all of last year with, uh, you know, coming back from that ACL tear. Um, I kind of lean towards more Gordon playing, but um, I don't think that would be enough to try to handle this Miami team who's playing a lot better basketball. And, you know, Denver's up against a tough scheduling spot. You know, this will be their third game in four days. Uh, and they're coming off of, you know, two back-to-back -to -back tough games against the Kings, you know, to where they both, they were either up 20 and, uh, you know, blew a 20-point lead or were down 20 and came back. So 
those were two really tough games that they played back to back in Sacramento, and they're coming against, coming up against a, a Miami team who's, who's had a, a day of rest, you know, waiting on them back in Denver. And um, like you already mentioned, they'll be the more healthier team, you know, coming into this matchup. So you know, I, I lean that way with you uh, with Miami also. I could easily see Denver kind of taking a, a deep breath tonight, and I mean that team's been playing really well. Well, they got the number one record right now in the West to them and New Orleans. I mean, they could afford to go ahead and kind of, you know, have a layup type of game and, and just go out there and maybe just cruise through, see if they can go ahead and get past, you know, a team, especially being at home. But I'll take the four points there with Miami tonight. Let's jump over to uh, our last and final games before we go ahead and get into uh, some hot topics. We do want to talk a little bit about the Nets. We want to talk about Devin Booker. Uh, maybe we'll do a little MVP talk and then, Maybe even if we have some time, we'll go ahead. We'll talk about uh, some rumors right now that are going around uh, in the NBA trade market. But the last game that we have here is going to be the Blazers and the Warriors. Interesting game here tonight. They're smooth. Warriors are going to be a two-point home dog. So the Blazers land two, and we have a total of 232. This was the toughest game for me to go ahead and really decide. Uh, I know how good that the Warriors have been on on their home court. I mean, what are they right now? They've lost like two games all year where they like 15 and two. So this team has the best home record out of any team in the league. Um, their road record isn't all that great. But for me, it's kind of like I look at both of these squads coming into this game tonight, and I know there's no Wiggins. I know there's no Curry, but the Warriors have actually still played tough. They've won three in a row, and that's without their, you know, arguably two of their better players, best players. Um, I would I would lean towards the Blazers here tonight, kind of like them laying the two points. I know it looks a little fishy, but I think the Blazers are due to go ahead and, and kind of just get back on that horse again and really start rolling. I mean, they were dealing with injury stuff and crap like that too. But, you know, with Lillard and Simons, you got Nurkic. He's day-to-day right now. I think he'll probably go tonight. Uh, but Jeremy Grant's due to go ahead and, and, and bounce back and get back into his groove. I would probably just go ahead and play the Blazers here. I feel like the Warriors, the fact that they've won three straight games and that they're winning right now without Curry and Wiggins on the floor, that there's a chance that they could take a deep breath tonight. So I think the Blazers will be the more motivated team. I think they're the better all the better all you know roster right now. So it'd be a lean towards the Blazers tonight. I like it. I don't love it. It, it probably won't end up even being a bet for me tonight. More than likely, I'll probably be watching some football by the time that one goes off. But it's kind of where I'm leaning right now. I'm leaning towards Portland. Um, I'm, I'm kind of on the opposite side. So, you know, outside of the uh, the under in that Sixers-Pelicans game, you know, this is my favorite bet, you know, of the games that we have, you know, uh, on the pod, you know, today is back in, you know, the uh, the Warriors on their home court. Um, if you shop around, you probably could find a two and a half. Um, so I would take the Warriors on their home court, two and a half. Um, you know, you mentioned their – their their home and road splits and um for me um a lot of my handicap has to deal with that you know you mentioned they're 15 and 2 at home but they're also you know 12 4 and 1 uh against the spread at home um so they're the, they have the best home uh the best record straight up at home and they're the best team ats against the spread at home um winning by you know nearly 10 points a game and even without no curry um that's not too much of a concern for me because of the production you get with uh, Jordan Poole, you know, as a starter. And you go back to that Christmas Day game um, with the uh, with the Grizzlies um, that they had on their home court. 
know, they took care of them, you know, pretty good. And, you know, they've had this, uh, they're in the middle of this home stretch and they've, uh, they won their first three home games during this stretch. And that's coming off of a, of a bad road trip. They didn't go their way. Um, you went under 500, you know, next six game, six game road trip and got blew out a few times. So I think with them coming back home, you know, during this stretch, uh, they got off to the, to, to the great start, um, getting back to 500 and, uh, trying to climb those standings to get out of that play-in situation. So um, I think that'll be a little bit too much for the Blazers to overcome on the road. And, you know, this team has a lot of good history, uh, a lot of data, you know, head to head with each other. And um, this has not been a, a, a profitable spot for the Blazers. You know, they're currently 12 and 26 ATS um, in their last 38 games played at Golden State. So a um, little bit of history on my side here. Uh, home court on my side here and um, you know with the the motivation I think that the Warriors have a plan on their home court to you know try to get back right and climb those standings you know I'll take the I'll take the points with the Warriors at home all right well then I certainly won't go ahead and be betting the Blazers tonight if you like them that much I do want to ask you there smooth though because I feel like with Curry and Wiggins being out of the lineup now for an extended period of time that this is actually a good thing for Golden State now, we saw this team healthy, struggling pretty much all year long. And now that you take, you know, the, arguably two of your best players off the floor and you force that bench and, and, you know, guys like Jordan Poole and, and Clay Thompson to kind of just get their shit together and to go out there and play the best ball that they can, knowing that their two better players are off the floor. Do you think that, like, this is going to be a good thing for Golden State, the fact that, you know, that they have to grow up right now, they have to get it to, together as a group? And then you get Curry and, and you'll get Wiggins back. And then those guys are going to be fresh. They're going to be motivated. Everybody's, like It's going to be like a big shot in the arm for Golden State. Like, I feel like this actually happened at a good time for them. And that it's going to uh, maybe bring this team a little bit closer together and, and kind of like maybe just weed out some of the weakest links on this team, you know, before we end up, you know, getting towards, you know, the, the, the all-star break and stretch run of the NBA season. So I'm not sure how you're viewing Golden State right now, but, I actually think that this is actually a good time for them, and that the you know the Curry and Wiggins situation uh, actually might benefit them later on down the road. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, uh, before Curry, you know, got hurt, you know, I, I felt like because of the situation that they were in with their with their record and everything, especially on the road, you know, they were depending a little bit too much on Curry, and you know, teams like Golden State, you know, that have been together for a while and. They already have their system in play as far as how they want to play night in, night out. Um, it makes it easier for guys to to step in in situations like this, and um, and really you know take on a little bit more of a role and become more of a balanced team and 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 not really rely and depend too much on the the star players on the at the top of the roster. So you know we've seen you know the the splits between you know Jordan Poole versus when he starts or. Or, or comes off the bit, comes off the bench, he really, you know, relishes in these moments. And, you know, guys like Dante DiVincenzo and some of those young guys that, you know, um, they've, want, you know, wanted to count on have also been playing a lot better too. So I think that also has to deal with, uh, do with them, you know, being on this home stretch. You know, road players, you know, tend to play better, you know, at home versus being on the road. So, yeah, with uh, Curry and Wiggins being out, you know, some guys, have stepped up for the Warriors and, you know, you know, with a team like the Warriors 
that have, you know, been together for a while, I think it makes it a little bit easier for, you know, guys like that to step up when they're put in situations when a, a star player or two goes down. Yeah, and I think that that's one of the things that, that these star players at times have to deal with. And I think that Curry falls in there. You know, KD probably falls in there. There's a lot of a lot of players that fall into that. You know, it, it's on you to go out there and do your job. And sometimes the guys just let up. And I think you probably would agree. Like, you see that sometimes in, like, baseball. Maybe like a Jacob deGrom, right? How many times have we seen Jacob deGrom go out on the mound? Now, we know the dude's dominant. He can go out there and give up one, two runs uh, every night he steps out there. But it just seems like he absolutely gets no run support. And then, like, hey, the next guy you know, in, in the rotation goes out there, and all of a sudden, you know, the Mets are putting up uh, all these runs. It was like, well, what the hell? It's like you can't just depend on your stars to go out there and get the job done nightly because at some point they're going to get worn down. They're going to get frustrated. And, and, you know, I think we're, we're seeing that now with, you know, guys like LeBron and, and players like that. So, um I don't know. It's interesting. It, it's something that we can, you know, kind of sit here and probably talk about for a little while. Speaking of KD, let's go ahead and let's talk a little bit smooth about the Nets. Th- that team's red hot right now. And they've won 10 games in a row. Uh, what did you say? I think you told me that like, they've won like 15 out of their last 16 or something like that. Like they're on some crazy heater right in the month of December. Yeah. Uh, 10 in a row, uh, 14 and one in the last 15. Um Number one overall uh, offensive rating and number one overall net rating. So yeah, they're they're finding their stride. All right. So when you really look at the big picture of the NBA and the, and the best teams in the NBA right now, you know we're talking about. Uh, let's just go ahead and let's just say Boston. Boston's there, right? I think we would agree with that. Um, and that team's only going to get better as the year goes on. Well, could we put could we put the Nets in there yet? You know, could we could we say? You know, the Nets are, are one of the best teams right now in the NBA. The record says yes, but have we really come up with a, a solid yes or no answer? That is this team one of the best teams in the NBA? Um, I would say, yeah. Uh, you know, even going back to, you know, when they traded for James Harden and they had the big three of Harden, KD, and, and Kyrie, um, whenever they've been, you know, just focused on just playing basketball and, you know, didn't have to deal with injuries. You know, they've been one, one of the best teams in the league, you know, from a analytical standpoint and from a record standpoint. It's just when, you know, things have uh, taken their attention away from, you know, playing basketball as far as off-court distractions and dealing with injuries um, to their rotation and keep players at the top of the rotation. That's when, you know, we've seen the Nets struggle. But um, ever since moving to, to, to Jock Vaughn, um, you know, like we like we said, they've been on this on this run, not even just for the last month, but, you know, going back to the last month and a half or so. Uh, nobody has more wins than them. You know, their offense is clicking. And, you know, currently right now, you know, they have the second best odds to win the title at DraftKings at, at plus 600, only behind the Celtics. And, you know, to win the um, to win the East, you know, they're they have, you know, they're at plus 310. You know, the only team ahead of them right now is the Celtics. So. Um, I think, you know, I think this is not a, a fad, you know, or a trend. I think this is something that will continue. Um, they obviously have the, uh, the roster and the talent, but now I think that they have the, the command and the respect, you know, from the coach, uh, coach's voice. And they're one of the handful of teams that rank top 10 in offense and defensive rating. And a lot of those teams that, you know, fall into that category 
have a realistic shot to go win the title. And with this, you know, you know, this with them being who they are for the last, you know, month and a half or so, you know, I just think this it, this continues. And as long as they stay healthy, um, you can't count the Nets out, you know, to, to to win the East and to win the title. Yeah, and I think that you know, with this team, they they arguably have two of the best players in the NBA when. You know, they're on the floor and they're out there doing their thing, and that's KD and Kyrie. And if Ben Simmons uh, could, you know, manage to go ahead and really get his game going back to, you know, what he looked like when he was playing his best basketball, this team's not going to be easy to beat. But I think a lot of this comes down to, you know, when, when KD had kind of vented his frustration with everything that was going on, the way that they're playing right now and the record that they have, this only makes Steve Nash look – it makes him look bad. And I get it. Like there were issues with Kyrie in the beginning of the year where uh, he ended up with the suspension deal and then Ben Simmons was coming back from the injury. So maybe it was just a culmination of things that kind of just came together. But they're certainly coming together right now uh, at the right time for Brooklyn. This is kind of like what we expected to see from this team. Now, Ben Simmons wasn't on a team that was James Harden. And Brooklyn at times showed like they were the best team in the league, even when Harden was on a team. But right now they're playing really well. Winners of 10 straight. And it's not like they're just beating up the bottom feeders of the NBA. They beat the Hawks. They beat the Cavs, the Bucks, the Warriors, Raptors. They're beating some of these top teams. Now, last time they played Boston, they ended up coming up short. So we'll see. The last time they played Philly, they came up short. We'll see. But right now, this team's certainly you know, trending in the in the right direction. Uh, I haven't looked at the title odds right now, but I'm I'm guessing that, that the Nets are probably within – probably within maybe like the top four teams, but that's something that I haven't looked at. Let's go ahead. Let's talk a little bit about the NBA MVP there, Smooth. I'm curious who uh, you're looking at right now. Uh, I mean, things things are changing. Luka went out and had a, a, a insane game the other night, a historical game where he put up 60, 20, and 10. I'm not sure if that moves the needle for you, but uh, who are you feeling right now for NBA MVP? I remember that game and, you know, caught – Caught most of it, and you know this stat line. You know, sixty points, twenty rebounds, and ten assists. Uh, amazing feat. Um, but surprisingly, I wasn't as uh, head over heels um, as the media put it out there to be, because we've seen you know performances to that level from you know guys like Westbrook and Harden. Um, but you know, it was still you know impressive to watch and see, and just to see him do what he's doing night in, night out. But um, for me, for the, uh, MVP, you know, going back to last year, you know, I mentioned, you know, one of my favorite stats to measure, uh, who I think the MVP is, is, uh, the player efficiency rating stat. And that stat's been really telling and, and really consistent, you know, with whoever the, the top five have been over the last 10 years have come, uh, the MVP has come out of that group. And especially if you narrow it down to, you know, the top three and, you know, for the last, you know, three to five years or so, it's been pretty consistent that the top five, you know, in that group has been Nikola Jokic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, um, Luka and uh, Joel Embiid. But for the last two years, you know, uh, Nikola Jokic has walked away with that award. And for the last Three years, including this year, he's leading, you know, that stat and player efficiency rating at um, a 32.2. Uh, Last year, he was a 32.8. And the 2020-21 season, he was at a 31.2 or something like that. So 
I'm going to go with Nikola Jokic to three-peat. Uh, I think we mentioned this last week to where, you know, he has uh, a possibility to three-peat and he'll be with Larry Bird, Bill Russell, and Will Chamberlain, the, the guys that only, you know, three-peated uh, when it comes to winning the MVP. And, you know, his numbers across the board are, um, you know, just as good, if not better, than they were last year. But, you know, this year with a little bit more of a healthier roster with Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. back, um, they're at the top of the West. You know, they're tied with the best record in the West. I think it's a little bit too early to, you know, look at, you know, wins and losses as far as um, totals because everybody's pretty much jumbled up. But, you know, come seasons in, uh, I don't think anybody's more impactful and more valuable to their roster than what Nikola Jokic does every night, uh, night in, night out for the Nuggets. So right now you can get him at plus 425. I think he has the third or fourth, you know, best odds to win it. So there's there's some value there uh, with the two-time MVP, you know, with a strong chance to become the third, uh, a three-peat MVP, and, uh, you know, set some more history, you know, joining that elite class. So um, my pick would be, again, you know, Nikola Jokic at plus 425. All right. I do feel like there's probably like a stretch run that's going to come with probably like a handful of players. I'd say like five or six guys. I would not rule out Zion right now because I think with a lot of these guys, guys like Tatum, Durant, Jokic, um, Curry's not going to be in there. Obviously, he's probably missed too much time and their record's not all that great. Uh, I feel like Zion is maybe the one guy that could actually sneak up there, come down the stretch, and actually maybe win this award. And the reason being is that because it was expected from all those other guys. It's expected for those guys to go out there and play at an elite level and go in and perform the way that they've always performed. But we really never knew what we were going to get from Zion. So I think if he can go ahead and he can maintain and go ahead and keep, I mean, he's coming off of his career best game where he put up 43 points. Now I get it. You know, that's not 60 like Luca or anything like that, but still uh, I do think at times, um, uh, the, the guy who, who isn't expected to go out there and have these type of games, it kind of just shines a little bit more of a spotlight. So I certainly wouldn't rule him out. That's about as far as I would go down the MVP list, though. I would probably stop at Zion, which is right around 2025 20, to one, you know, and, and all the guys before him, you know, that, that we already talked about, like Luca Embiid, Tatum, Durant, those guys like that certainly are all considerations. So we'll see how that all shakes out. Here's one guy that was actually. You know, being talked about last year in the MVP voting, but looks like he's going to find himself out of that discussion. That's going to be Devin Booker there. Uh, he's injured right now. Suns right now struggling. They've won four out of their last 10 games. Currently in the sixth seed. I mean, that team was at the top all last year, and they were at the top there this year, but you now they're they're kind of faltering right now. Uh, I don't know how many games you can miss without Booker. You know, they've missed plenty of games this year already without Chris Paul. But the Booker injury there, Smooth. I mean, what does this do for this team? Uh, obviously, it leaves them really shorthanded. But if you ask me, like, this is just an average team without Devin Booker on the floor. And it kind of seems like it's, it, it's starting to show up. I, Phoenix is going to be without him for, what, like the next four weeks. Like, this team's going to be sitting more than likely probably in the play-in. I mean, the Warriors right now, we're talking about, you know, how, how bad of a season that they've had. And, look, they, they haven't been great. They're 3-16 and 16 on the road this year. But they're still in the play-in. They're, they're in the 10th seed, and they're only two games back right now from Phoenix. Like this four-week injury to Booker, I think that this could potentially knock the Suns uh, out of the play-in, and then they're going to have to be battling when he gets back. Like it's going to be 
you know, balls to the wall for this team. So I can only see the Suns going down. I don't know how you back this team. If they end up with like an injury to like Aiton or something like that, or maybe even CP3 goes back out, nah, this team could absolutely just free fall. And then when the trade deadline comes, you know, I think they're going to be looking for bodies to come in there to really help them out because it seems like Crowder wants no part of being right now on this team. So the Suns, to me, it's a team that I, that I clearly want to stay away from for a little while. And I think maybe if they can go ahead and keep keep everybody together without Booker, maybe in like two weeks we look back at Phoenix and go, okay, has, has is there any value on betting on this team right now? Uh, because they just got things going together with this group, you know, for long enough that they're going to eventually start pulling out some games. So it's kind of just a, a little bit of a, a roundtable discussion here with Booker, but that's just kind of where I'm at right now with them. Um, I don't like it. Like I, you can't miss this guy on this team right now and expect to go in a win game. So I see a free fall coming at some point here. Uh, and it looks like it's, it's already in motion. Yeah. Uh, another agreement. You know, this is a, a big blow, you know, for this Phoenix team. You know, if you go back to, you know, the year when they came out of the bubble, you know, they've been uh, great every year, especially in the regular season. And, you know, they overcame injuries to their, you know, top three guys all missing significant time at some point in the season, you know, each year, whether it was CP3, DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker, it really didn't matter. They always finished you know, around, you know, a, a top three seed or better, and, you know, uh, reached the NBA finals and lost in six to the Bucks. But I think this year is finally, you know, you know, catching up to them. Um, they're currently six right now at, at 20 and 16. But, you know, in that next group of teams that are in that playing situation, you know, there's three teams that could legitimately pass them up right now and drop them in the play in. You're talking about the Kings, you know, the Blazers and, and, and Warriors. Um, and, you know, during this stretch that he's going to miss, you know, a month, it's about 15 games at minimum. You know, they have 10 games where they're going to be playing teams over 500. And a lot of those teams are, you know, legit title contending teams. When we're talking about, you know, the Grizzlies, Warriors, you know, Cavs, you know, and, and some other teams. And, you know, right now they're in the middle of a of a five or six game road trip. You know, they have a little bit of a of a break with a couple home games and then they have another, you know, a four game road trip coming, you know, you know, right after that. So um, this is just a, a bad, tough spot. You know, they're already dealing with key injuries to guys like, you know, Cam Johnson, who was a starter for them this year and was playing really well. And he replaced a starter from last year and Drake and Jay Crowder, who's not with the team. And they're currently looking for a trade for him. Um, I believe campaign is still out. And one of their bigs uh, in their rotation, uh, Jock Landell, you know, just came back from injury. So, uh, like I said, these injuries are, are catching up with this team, you know, this year. And they just took the injury to their not only their best player, but their most impactful player. And, and Devin Booker having another a great year was currently averaging 27, five and five. And he was close to being a, a 50, 40, 90 guy. And the Suns were about five points better when he was on the floor compared to being off which was better than anybody that's a, a key player in their rotation. So big blow for the Suns. You know, I look to get involved in and playing against them, you know, while he's out, you know, especially with this tough, brutal schedule that they got coming up. Yeah, I'm going to look to probably play against him at least for the next two weeks. And then I think at some point, um, you know, Bridges and CP3 and, and Aiton and the rest of that crew, there, there will be some value on them. And this has been a tough team to go ahead and find value on because their record has just been, 
you know, so damn good. And that team's just been so tough at home. But um, I think right now it's, it's kind of a shocking reality. Like, Oh man, we're going to be without our best guy right now for another four weeks. I mean, it was, I don't think anybody saw him being out for four weeks move, but it, I mean, it looked like he was going to be out for a little bit of a time, but it's kind of a gut punch, you know, when you find out that your best player, you're not going to have him until, you know, probably somewhere around, you know, the beginning or middle of February. So uh, maybe, maybe they're a little bit shell shocked right now. So we'll see. Uh, we did, we did want to talk a little bit of, of, of trade talk, but, I'm running a little bit late with my work for today, and I have some other things that I do have to get done. So here's what I'll do. I'll, I'll try to get smooth on a pod, uh, maybe even tonight or maybe early in the, in the week. And I do want to just focus on some trade talk stuff because the NBA deadline is going to come up on February 9th. And there's a lot of big names out there that are being swirled around. Uh, everybody knows about Westbrook being talked about. But, you know, we got guys out there like Zach Levine, Trey Young, that are starting to go ahead and, and, and make a little bit of noise. So. Um, obviously there's a lot of teams out here with a lot of needs and there are some disgruntled stars out there. So I do want to sit down with Smooth and talk about maybe some potential trades that make some sense and maybe some teams that are looking to maybe potentially just sell off everything that they have going into uh, you know, complete tank mode. But we're going to have to save that for another day and, uh, and we'll get back to that for sure. So that's something I, I do want to go ahead and break down with Smooth. But going to have to wrap it up here for today. Hopefully you guys had a nice Christmas. Hopefully you guys have a safe New Year's Eve and a happy New Year 2023. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people are looking forward to, but I'm looking forward to some winners tonight. So big thanks for Smooth going ahead, jumping on the podcast. You guys got all our picks for today. You guys know where to find us on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame at Smooth underscore 702. You guys can always get us at thebettingpredators.com and on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. With that said, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck for NBA Friday. Enjoy the games.